Welcome to the Soul Space Podcast. Thanks for listening. Okay, welcome back, everybody. I have Zach Bloom, head of developer marketing at Cloudflare. Like I said before, um, I'm st- I still can't believe you guys are taking me seriously, seriously enough to be on the podcast, but here we are. So, Zach, once again, thank you for coming on and educating us more about Cloudflare and how things work over there and the history and how you guys do business. I, I really appreciate your time. Yeah, of course. And I, you know, I appreciate you taking us seriously as well. <laughs> Hard not to. Um, well, where we left off, we were talking about, um, you know, we we're talking about enterprise plans. And I was, I was complaining about how difficult it can be to convince an enterprise client to make a switch. And one of the reasons is I, I have so far failed to make the financial argument. And one of the problems is as a web developer, my team of web developers, um, clients don't see us in that role. They don't see us as sort of uh, in charge of their IT stack. They think of other people in that role. And when we bring you guys up as um, one of the um, one of the components of a, of a well-assembled tech stack for a web property or website or websites, um, if it's not the idea of someone internally, then, you know, it's it's kind of a heavy lift, but we're we're still working on that. So that's where we were before. We're still sort of laying the groundwork of sort of the, the, the baseline capabilities of Cloudflare, some of the things that you give to everybody for free. And one of the things that um, I want to make sure we talk about is something that I feel like was relatively recent, maybe three, four years max, that you guys just make it really easy to run websites under HTTPS. So SSL certificates are now just not as big of a problem as they used to be. Um, Back in olden times, we used to have to go to, um, you know, someone who was authorized to issue SSL certificates, pay them a yearly fee to get that certificate, fill out a bunch of, not a bunch, but a pretty, pretty decent amount of, um, you know, informational uh, paperwork type stuff in an email format, get the right person at the company to fill out that information and basically get the cert and then have that issued and get that over to whoever ran the servers to make them install it and make sure HTTPS ran correctly. So Cloudflare made all that go away. I can have a website that traditionally runs behind standard HTTP, run it behind Cloudflare, and you guys will um, you will, you will provide your sort of shared certificate and make, make HTTPS happen with very little effort. Um, maybe you could tell me a little bit about how that works, when that was rolled out. Like, what's, what's the backstory with that? Yeah, I mean, it's going to give away your age a little bit, but it's actually six years. Oh, no. I hate when that I know, happens. I know. Yeah. It's like, how did my kid How did my kid get to be nine and ten? I don't know how this happened either. It's, so anyway. It's one of these weird mysteries. Yeah. 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 To, to give even more context on that, the internet was not built with any kind of, uh, what I would say, security on many levels. So if you were going to load a website, anyone who could plug into your Ethernet port or an Ethernet port connected to the line that, you're, that that wire was on, would read everything that you did over the Internet. That became a pretty big liability when you started sending credit card numbers and personal information and chat messages with the people that you love. And all basically the entire existence of, of humanity now during COVID is happening over the Internet. And if you use Wi-Fi... Uh, a lot of the Wi-Fi, particularly public Wi-Fi, wasn't encrypted at all. And the messages that you send go through a lot of different locations through the internet, including your internet service provider. And hopefully that, that person has your back. But a lot of the time, they're economically incentivized to basically spy on you or sell your data in one form or another. 
So you have all of these reasons why it's a really good idea to encrypt everything that goes over the internet. Unfortunately, as you said, there was kind of a racket uh, at play yeah, where racket. companies got $100 a year, maybe, often more if you did things like extended validation, to run a few lines of code and take the <laughs> certificate that they had and generate a pretty certificate for you and, and hand you 2,048 uh, bits of RSA or something like that. And it created an environment in which many people could not afford or were not willing to invest the money in securing their website. And so the solution to that that Cloudflare figured out before my time was why don't we make it so economically obvious that you should be using SSL? Make it so, make, make there be no logical or plausible argument why every single website on the entire internet should not be encrypted for the people who visit it. And that's exactly what the company did. So it was able to negotiate again with the massive scale that Cloudflare had, with the fact that it had so many free customers, the ability to generate all of these SSL certificates. And you can look at the, the charts of the number of websites using SSL, and you can really see when this announcement happened and how much progress it actually made almost immediately in securing the internet. It's, it's an amazing thing. So when I sign up for a Cloudflare account, um, and I attach a website to it, and I start routing traffic for that uh, website through Cloudflare. The certificate that gets issued that happens um, that happens automatic automatically. Um, I mean, I, I don't think I do anything other than click a few settings to um, to customize how we use that certificate. Is that certificate specific for that website, or is there some sort of massively multiplayer shared certificate that all these websites route through? There's a bunch of different ways that it can happen. Uh, ultimately, there is a certificate generation pipeline that's maintained by a really smart team of engineers who know a lot about cryptography, obviously, and have iterated over the years into a really robust system that uses multiple certificate providers in a totally automated way, as you said, to validate that you actually own that website and then to generate the certificate. Depending on the plan level you have, you might end up on a, a shared certificate but, or you might end up with a dedicated certificate, or you could even upload your own certificate. But ultimately, the actual security and the encryption is the same and is very robust, as you would imagine. Okay. Um, so you have that baseline level where you have a, a certificate running that's provided by Cloudflare for free. Um, if you want to tighten things up a little bit more, you can go end-to-end, -end, and you can go into your Cloudflare control panel, and you can have Cloudflare issue you... Um, uh, a certificate that you can load onto your server so that the traffic between Cloudflare and your server, the origin server, is also encrypted. Um, bes besides those additional layers, um, what other layers of SSL encryption, you know, and the certificates and such mm -hmm. are there? I mean, I'm sure there's yeah. at the enterprise level, it gets pretty complicated. What about those inter intermediate levels? Like so many things, as you said, the deeper you want to go, uh, the more Cloudflare products you'll uncover and more interesting situations and interesting problems you can solve. On a basic level, I'm really happy that you brought up that concept of an origin certificate because it is really valuable to encrypt all the way from end to end, from your origin to Cloudflare and then from Cloudflare to the user. And we have control over the Cloudflare to the user side. So we're able to totally secure that for you. But the connection between your origin and Cloudflare, we need a little bit of your help because your origin server has to successfully encrypt its connections with us for you to be able to secure that portion of the connection. So we can give you a certificate that you can load onto whatever origin server you use, Nginx, 
varnish, whatever, whatever tool you use to serve your website from its origin. And then we will be able to securely encrypt both sides of the connection. And that is all free. So you can, you can secure both sides for free. It just takes a little bit more work on the origin side. If you do want a dedicated certificate, as you're talking about, you can add that onto any plan. I think it's $5 a month. And then you get your own shiny certificate that only includes your information on it. Um, at higher levels, there's all sorts of interesting things you can do. One thing that I think is really interesting is called mutual TLS. And that's where both sides of the connection are actually validated. So it's not just that I'm securing a web server for any client, it's that I'm validating that both this client is connecting to this server. So if you, for example, had an IoT company and you had thousands of devices all out in the field and you needed to validate that the only devices you control are talking to a network that you trust, you could use a feature like Mutual TLS. Do you, you're making me wonder if you have clients who um, come to you and ask, I mean, not only are we enterprise, but we're super big, you know, like we're a, you know, we're a, a defense department from, for some country or whatever. Is, is there a private Cloudflare? Is it like a separate uh, set of your networks and your technology that you guys roll out? Or is, is, that, is that silly or is that top secret? Is, I mean, what, what would that mean? I don't think it's silly. And it certainly wouldn't be something that no one has asked for. The company has decided to not do it, has never done it at least, uh, because the power of Cloudflare is in having one homogenous network. There are other companies that run all sorts of different hardware in different locations. And so they might have a few locations where they can handle the really large volumes of traffic that happen in an attack. And then they'll have a few other locations that can serve DNS requests. And then they'll have some set of locations that can serve HTTPS, secure traffic. And no, and they're all heterogeneous and totally different. And when they build a new service, they have to deploy a bunch of new hardware, making it really expensive and slow. Cloudflare has identical, different versions of the identical same software running in every location around the world. So when we deploy a new service, a really good example is 1.1.1.1, which is our free public DNS resolver. You can add it to your phone or your computer, and it loads all of your DNS requests for you really quickly. When we deployed it, it was built by like three engineers in like three weeks. And it, the moment it was released, it was the fastest DNS resolver on earth. <laughs> and that combination is only possible because when those engineers sit in front of their keyboard and they write some code, they hit enter and it deploys to 200 locations, just like workers do. Mm -hmm. And so it really requires us to not have heterogeneous networks and not have separate things in different locations, but have the same code base essentially running everywhere to the absolute extent possible. Um, so we have gotten requests for things like, I, you know, I would love my own personal Cloudflare or something like that. But what we've been able to impress upon people is the cloud has shown that you are better off with friends. Things work out better for you if you are on a network that many other people are using that has a lot of security people taking a really close look at it and that updates and moves as quickly as, as software allows. You don't mm -hmm. really want to be on your own hardware running in your own data center somewhere because yeah. it turns out that it's actually more expensive and not better. And it's, you know, it's been surprising for people since the origin or origination of the cloud, but it seems to be the case. Yeah. Well, you open the door to a lot of technical debt and technical debt is not just inconvenient or, or a headache. It's, it's actually a security problem and it's a reliability problem. So um, it, it just, the, the extra effort required to uh, make the whole system to have the whole system roll out a new feature, um, 
I don't know, it's, it takes a certain kind of discipline. Uh, I probably don't have that, but I should develop it. Um, well, you, <clears throat> you, your story about 1.1.1 reminds me of a story that I, I just want to bounce off here really quick. Um, I haven't always been uh, decent with marketing and sales. I mean, I'm a, I'm, I like to write code. I'm in my happy place when I'm writing code that solves a problem for a client. Um, but I run a company, I run a team, and I really do have to do some marketing. So I say, well, what, what do I say? What, do, what are we? What's our expertise? What's our specialization? How do I promote this company? And did a deep dive, and I came out realizing that our clients over the years have come to us for reliability. Um, they come to us to, they, our clients own an entire web property. They're responsible for it. They have multiple teams helping them manage it, but there's usually one or two people whose heads roll if the system is not reliable, if that website's not reliable. And what reliability means is customers are able to flow through that web property easily, no friction. Um, they can quickly get from their desire to the fulfillment of that desire reliably, quickly, easily. So that's our job. So this Saturday, I got a call from a client who was one of our nonprofit clients, kind of a, one of our smaller clients, but just we, we just love the, this client. They're just some of the coolest people you could meet. And their website was going down. And there was no clear explanation for why. I mean, I hadn't touched it in months, and they hadn't really done anything significant. And all of a sudden, the server's chugging. It's something's eating it alive. And I said, well, my best guess is that you, you got a bot somewhere trying to take the site down. Fortunately, I had put the site behind Cloudflare a long time ago. We'd made that move just as a just-in-case sort of a move. Because I know people look to us for reliability, I need some systems in front of a website to help me deliver that when I have to. So this started to happen. We checked in with the hosting, the managed hosting provider. They couldn't detect anything obvious. There wasn't an out-of-control process or the database wasn't crashing or whatever. And for lack of anything else, uh, we just hit it with a hammer. We just turned full page caching on at the Cloudflare level and the problem went away. We introduced a couple of other issues, but I was able to just with a flip of a switch deliver that reliability. Um, the reason I bring this up is at that very same time, I, I was laying in bed waking up and my, you know, my client on the East Coast is ringing my phone. I'm like, wouldn't it be great if I just pull my phone out and was able to flip a switch on the Cloudflare panel? I wonder if they have an app. So I go and I try to download an app and I find the 1.1.1 app where well, you guys made it possible to just have a free VPN running on my mobile device. So that's a long-winded way of me getting to, to ask the questions of what 1.1.1 is and what is, what is that service? Like, what, is, what does that change in the internet mean? That's a great question. I, I feel like I want to talk about all the different things that you mentioned. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Be my guest. Um, it is pretty common for people to add Cloudflare when they're under attack. In fact, we have something called I'm under attack mode. Yeah. where it's basically a giant you know, figurative red button that you push that makes everyone visiting your website prove that they're human, which is not a super yeah. pleasant thing for your visitors, but most of the time they would rather get to your website, even if they have to solve a CAPTCHA to do it, than have not be able to access your website at all. Yeah. And so it is, it is a unfortunately common story that someone gets... DDoSed in some way, and then they have to add Cloudflare in order to be able to weather it. And, and over time, we've made our ability to detect bots a lot more robust using machine learning, which is not a trivial problem when you're, you're sitting in front of 27 million websites. It's so much traffic, and it's so much data to ingest every day. But we've invested a lot in 
building the ability to use machine learning to detect these bots. And hopefully over time, we'll be able to do all this stuff in a really automatic, magical way, even more magical than we already are, so that we can just filter out the bots. You maybe will never even realize that that the customer was attacked, like we like we can for lower level network attacks that are easier to identify. And and that has only that's only gotten better in the time that I've been at Cloudflare, and I'm really optimistic and excited about it in the future. In terms of 1.1.1.1, there's a lot of reasons that we built it. But to answer your question of what it really is, when you load a website on your phone or on the computer, I'm sure many of your listeners already know this, but I, I'll review it just so that we all have a common context. The first thing that happens is you have to turn the URL, the, the, the host name, you know, cloudflare.com, into an actual location on the internet and an IP address. And that step is done by a DNS resolver, what's sometimes known as a uh, recursive DNS resolver. That resolver is responsible for figuring out where .com is, which you may already know, and then it figures out where cloudflare.com is, and then it goes to the authoritative DNS server for cloudflare.com, which is the other side. So we have recursive and authoritative. And that is responsible for knowing where Cloudflare is on the internet, what its IP address is. So Cloudflare has been an authoritative DNS provider for as long as Cloudflare has existed. But recursive DNS, the thing that your computer looks to in order to resolve websites, whatever website it might be visiting on the internet, is a new was a new thing for us. We wanted to build it partially because we could. We knew we had this really dense network. We knew if we built it, it would be faster, hopefully, than anyone else's. And we wanted to show that to people. We also really wanted it to be private because there were other public DNS resolvers on the internet, but it was kind of unclear what their privacy was in, in some cases and whether they were selling users data and telling people every website that you visited or selling it to advertisers. And then even worse, we had ISPs that were almost certainly doing this, uh, selling that data to somebody for, on behalf of their customers who were paying them, which is just such a skeezy thing to do. And we knew that we did not have an advertising-based business model and that we were not in the business of selling data and that anyone who used 1.1.1.1 would be valuable for us, not because we could do anything creepy, but because we could make the websites that use Cloudflare faster. So we had this kind of noble purpose in getting people to use 1.1.1.1 that didn't require us to do anything uh, morally questionable. And that kind of made it a really good idea. We launched 1.1.1.1 about two years ago on April 1st, 4 slash 1, which is great. And it was very successful, much more successful than we anticipated. You know, who on earth thinks that people are going to be excited about a recursive DNS resolver? Very few people <laughs> know what that is. But we got so many more people using it than we ever anticipated. And people started making YouTube videos about how to enable it. And people started, you know, enabling on their friends' phones and on their grandparents' phones. And it was incredible. And we said, this is a really good opportunity for us to learn how to build a successful mobile app. Because oh, yeah. as you said, there is no mobile app for the Cloudflare dashboard. And we want it to be good at it because we have all these really big plans that hopefully we'll get the chance to talk about in a later episode about how to secure the internet connection of, of everyone on earth and everyone at your company and how to eliminate the need for VPNs and all these things. And we said, we're going to need to be really, really good at building mobile apps that integrate with that phone at a really low networking level. And so let's turn 1.1.1.1 into a great app that someone can just flip a switch and have it work. And that was incredibly difficult. Uh, it wasn't work that I did, but I was close to the team that was working on it. And these phones do not really expect you to be building things at that low of a level. 
they expect you to build really cool Flappy Bird clones and things like that. And so there are all sorts of mysterious APIs that are broken from version to version or break randomly or only break on certain networks. Mm. And you realize all of a sudden that every single cell network in the world works a little differently and they're often broken in, in, in various ways. And so we took that challenge on and we built the 1.1.1.1 mobile app. And then that team decided that they needed to make their lives even harder. And so they decided, why <laughs> don't we, instead of just solving the encryption problem, the security problem, the privacy problem for DNS, can we do it for all the traffic on this person's phone or eventually any device that they have? So can we take all the traffic that they have, encrypt it securely so that no one can spy on them at all? Because DNS, remember, is just solving one little slice of the privacy problem. You, once you've done the DNS resolution, you then make a request to a website and anyone can potentially see where you're requesting and get details about it. Can we solve the entire problem? Can we funnel all of a user's internet traffic to the closest Cloudflare point of presence, do whatever we can to make it faster, and then send it maybe through our network before sending it back out onto the internet securely. And that's what they set out to do, and it made their problems 100 times harder because now they were responsible for the internet connection reliability of your entire phone, and people really don't have a good day when their phone just can't load a website. Yeah. So they had to go through so many builds and so much testing and so many different errors that only maybe showed up in the Balkans or something uh, in order to actually make this app what is really fundamentally the most reliable VPN ever built. But we didn't call it a VPN. And the reason for that is because VPNs are mostly used by people who uh, want to access you know, Netflix from a country they don't live in, something like that. It's, it's a relatively small group of people. Uh, many of which have very legitimate reasons to need to use a VPN, but it isn't the whole internet. And we wanted to build something that every single person on the internet could potentially use, that my grandmother, uh, if she knew what the internet was, could <laughs> install and successfully use. That had much bigger audience than, than, than VPNs of the, of the time. And so we called it Warp. And you install this app on your phone, and it secures all of your internet traffic and often accelerates your internet traffic. But even that, and I know I'm taking you on this journey, it's probably much more than you asked for, even that is only an early step on a larger plan, which kind of culminates with this thing called Cloudflare for Teams that I hinted at earlier, this idea that we could really secure the internet for your entire company. So you you know that you were, um, you're predated on the podcast by my friends at ProPublica, and one of the developers at ProPublica, Mike Tegas, he's uh, the developer for the, the Onion browser app. Um, and that runs through the Tor network. So if you want to browse the internet privately um, and just sort of uh, obscure your presence on a website, you run through his Onion browser. So using Warp, does that mean that just flipping the on switch on Warp, having it on my phone, that everything I do is private and encrypted? Like what What are the differences between the, and that and a VPN, by the way, what are the differences in those things? That's a great question. So the purpose of something like Tor is to provide a few different things. One is encryption, something like security. And then another is anonymity, meaning making it not possible for people to realize who is requesting something over the internet. Warp is not as powerful or comprehensive as that because our goal is not to provide anonymity. We're not trying to make it possible for you to browse the internet without exposing to the website who you are. We are trying to make it possible for you to browse the internet without exposing to anyone okay. other okay. than the website you're actually trying to visit. Yep, who you that are. does. Um, if that makes sense. Because it's really 
difficult to be on the internet and build a website and have these people visiting from all over, you know, some of which are good and some of which are bad uh, indiscriminately. And so we do want to give websites the tools to protect themselves. And we are not really in the business of trying to provide complete anonymity to the places you're legitimately going. But we don't like the idea of anyone spying on people and collecting data from them without their knowledge or their consent or collecting data on things that, that are, it does not directly yeah. involve the website being visited, if that makes sense. So they both have their own purposes. So, you know, another question to get into is um, with respect to the to the team's capability that you that you're rolling out at Cloudflare. Let's let's talk a little bit about that. And depending on the you know, depending on the depth of it, we might want to spend a lot more time with it. But maybe you could give me a primer on what that offering is about. Well, I guess my question to you would be. Have you ever met anyone who loves their corporate VPN? <laughs> yeah. No. No, I'm afraid I haven't. Me neither. And when I first started working at Cloudflare, that was how we secured most things. So if you wanted to access Bitbucket, which is our, you know, an, a, a kind of the equivalent of GitHub used internally, you would need to be on the VPN if you weren't in the office. If you wanted to access uh, internal testing services or internal APIs, you would have to be on the VPN. And that had several issues. One as a user is it's kind of miserable because it always manages to disconnect whenever you want it to work. Uh, anytime yeah. you change internet connections or you're on an airplane or something, it, may, it never works. Uh, logging slow. into it is always weird and cryptic. And it often is slow, particularly as the company, I don't know, suddenly has to have everyone working from home in the current world that we live in. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it requires physical appliances. Like people don't realize this, but you're actually buying a box that you're like plugging into your network. And if that thing breaks... Nobody can access internal services. It's, it's, it's antiquated. And it also had a lot of really questionable security parameters because what it meant was anyone inside the network or on the VPN could access essentially every internal service. And so you could have someone who was a contractor supposed to work on that billing team or supposed to work you know, inside finance. And if someone managed to get malware onto their computer, which unfortunately is not that difficult in the modern world, they would have access to every internal service and your entire perimeter is down. So it isn't a great system. And, and a system that works a lot better is something like how we log into web services, where when I want to load up Gmail, I have to put in credentials and maybe a one-time pin or, or touch a hardware security token. And then I only get access to my email messages. And no matter how well someone manages to exploit my computer, they're not going to convince Gmail to give them anyone else's email messages. Mm. Yeah, And so we're moving from a model where we secure the network to a model where we check every single request and say, is this user on this device supposed to be able to access this thing right now? And that's not difficult to do if you're a SaaS service that you're going out and selling to people, but it's really difficult to do for internal services because very few people have the time to build robust identity provider-backed login for their internal services, and they generally don't. You know, they'll use HTTP basic auth or something like that, or a VPN. And so a few years ago, Cloudflare said, could we take this big edge network that we have, which is really this kind of secret weapon behind everything Cloudflare builds, and could we build a way for people to authenticate internal services with it so that their employees can just access the service over the internet. We can use the same HTTPS encryption that we all rely on for everything we do over the internet. And instead of the employee having to be on a certain network, we can authenticate them using Google or Okta or Active Directory, whatever identity provider that company already uses. And 
that really became the core of what we call Cloudflare for Teams. Since then, though, it's been so successful that we've devoted a lot more to it and built a lot more. So another capability that we have, for example, is the ability to have your own version of 1.1.1.1, where you can have your own DNS resolver just for your company, and you configure all of the devices within your company to hit it. And if maybe someone accidentally installs malware, you can now go and see who else went to that malware website. Or you can prevent them from being able to visit a malware website right out of the box. And suddenly you can secure a lot of the internet traffic that these users have. And over time, obviously, our, um, our, our plans are, are continuing to grow. How does a team, I mean, for, forgive the term, but how, how do they install it? How do they get started on this? That's a great question. So for our access product, which is the first one that I described that allows you to put authentication in front of anything that you build, you just essentially put Cloudflare in front of the thing that you built, which is kind of something you're already doing. And so if you right now have a website that uses Cloudflare and you click the access tab in the dashboard or you, you visit the, the access uh, website, teams.cloudflare.com, I believe, you can write a policy that will apply to any URL on your website. So you can just say slash admin for anyone to be able to visit that. They need to be able to log in with Google and they need an at ProPublica email address. And, you know, we okay. have contractors too. And so I'm going to paste in the contractor's emails and they're not in our OAuth, but uh, they can, that we'll, we'll send them one-time tokens and they can log in with that over email and uh, combine any unique combination of identity providers, any path you want, any rules you want to define who should access what. And then you have the option of how you're going to secure the connection between Cloudflare and your origin. Uh, one option is to use SSL certificates and to block requests for anyone that isn't coming from Cloudflare's IP addresses at your origin. Because you really don't want anyone bypassing this authentication that you just added by going directly to the origin. Another option is to use a product called Argo Tunnel, which allows you to run a process on your origin server wherever it is on Earth, and it will make outbound connections to the two closest Cloudflare points of presence, like tunnels. And all of your traffic will flow over those encrypted tunnels. So you can shut down any external traffic being able to access the server. You can lock down your firewall. You can basically cut the machine off from any incoming connection over the internet. And all of your traffic authenticated through access will flow over these tunnels wherever that server is running anywhere on earth. Um, got a, I got a headache. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I'm... Uh... Just trying to wrap my head around this. I mean, we over the years, we've built quite a few single sign-on systems for our clients where uh, they'll use something like Okta or they use uh, ADFS or you know, whatever the case may be. Um, maybe do something like SAML2 as the, the underlying um, shared protocol between the two systems to, to authenticate a user. So are those no longer needed or are they, are they part of this? Do they augment this? You don't really need to build anything is, is the best way to answer it. So if you decide that this customer has an internal admin interface and only people on the accounting team should be able to access it, you can just do that using the Cloudflare UI or you can set that policy up with our API or, or with, with Terraform if you want. And it will now require anyone who's going to access this thing to have whatever identity provider account this user is supposed to have and be in whatever group you say that they're supposed to be in before they can access it. Yeah. 
So, how do, we've mm-hmm. talked about a bunch of your products. We've talked about Warp. We've talked about Cloudflare for Teams, and uh, you know the SSL certificates, all that sort of stuff. How how do these how do these ideas like what's what's the pathway for a new idea to get approval at Cloudflare to be built and and launched? Like how does how does that work? That's a really good question because there are so many really good ideas. Uh, that's the amazing thing about Cloudflare. It's kind of like a spider web where each thing that we build seems to open up 10 more really great opportunities of interesting things that we could build. And so we never get anywhere close to filling the whole canvas because the canvas just grows in every direction as these things, these products end up being successful. Most of the work that happens at Cloudflare is on teams that are devoted to specific products. So the load balancer team, for example, has an, a roadmap that they're working on to make things more robust and faster and easier for people to set up and solve problems. And they're making that that product much, much better over time. And the same is true for the rate limiting team or the denial of service prevention team or any of these teams that correspond to individual products. We also have a division of the company called product strategy. And that's where we build experiments. We build new things that tackle totally different markets that none of those individual one-off teams would have the time to build on their own and which are outside of the scope of what Cloudflare currently does. So that product strategy team, for example, is where uh, Cloudflare for Teams that we were just talking about came out of. And as the product becomes more robust, eventually it it graduates to its own dedicated permanent uh, team within the product engineering part of the organization. Okay. Um, how how big is the company? I'm looking on the I'm looking on the team page, the people page of the website, and it scrolls on forever. <laughs> but how how many how many people are there? Uh, the answer to that is a lot more than when I joined three years ago. It's over 1,300 people work for Cloudflare, okay. and I don't know if location matters anymore in the in the current COVID world. But most of those people are San Francisco, Austin, Texas, London. Now Lisbon, Portugal, and Singapore. Um, those are expensive places to live. Austin, Austin isn't so bad, and, and Lisbon is okay. Uh, but yeah, some, some of those are definitely more expensive. And we have smaller offices in Sydney and Beijing and Munich and Washington D.C. and New York. <laughs> a lot of a lot of really amazing places to get to visit. So what's um. What's a uh, systems reliability engineer? That that title is popping out to me, not only because of my obsession with reliability, but with looking back over time and how how many times Cloudflare itself has crashed. I mean, it's a pretty pretty good uptime record there. So, what what does that type of a person do? What are they responsible for? That's a great question. I mean, they're they're generally heroes. Uh, I would say what Cloudflare fundamentally is is thousands upon thousands upon thousands of servers located in some of the most remote and inaccessible locations on earth. How do you keep all of those things running? Because we don't use a public cloud. You know, We're not uh, running all of these servers on top of someone else's network for the most part. We're buying bare metal, the most affordable ways that we possibly can. And then we're deploying them into these very adverse locations and keeping them running as they respond to just trillions of requests over the internet. And that is the job of the SRE, the the reliability engineering component of Cloudflare. They are responsible for keeping that network running, updating it, helping us deploy new software, helping us make changes, uh, managing 
configuration changes with the network itself, and actually dealing with attacks, because we have a lot of automated systems that manage attacks, but at a certain point, it's literally a human being identifying some sort of behavior that isn't supposed to be happening and then making a decision about how traffic should be routed through the internet. And that's also the responsibility of the SRE team. So if you if you have, um, let's imagine you have some servers in Riga, Latvia, does that mean that you, you have an SRE in Riga, Latvia who goes and touches that that hardware if they need to? Generally, no. Um, the SREs are predominantly located in San Francisco, in London, and in Singapore. And the reason it's those three locations is because the their shifts follow the sun. So for eight yeah. hours, each of those offices is responsible for the Cloudflare network. Oh, wow. And they remotely manage all of these servers in all these locations. So it's really more of a massive logistics challenge. How do I get servers to show up at the right time and be set up in the right way in Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia? Yeah. Well, that's pretty incredible. Well, that's that's another good stopping point. Uh, let's, let's break here and um, get ready next time to talk about Workers KV. I wanted to reserve tons of time for that because... Um, right now, that technology is, to most of the people I talk to, we're not using it. Um, it was news mm-hmm. to me recently, uh, yeah. but it is, it's incredibly powerful. And one of the very first things you and I talked about was how the internet should have been built that way in the first place. We should have been computing at the edge all this time. So I'd like to get into talking about what, what does that actually mean? I need you to educate me. So it's my, my time. I give myself permission to ask dumb questions and someone smart like you can, can educate me and tell me what that, what that means. Like edge computing, you're going to educate me. That sounds like a blast. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> well, Zach, thanks again for making time. Uh, we'll, we'll do another episode shortly and get into that question. And in the meantime, once again, thank you for, for, uh, you know, humoring me with some of the some of the silly questions I asked. I think we got some really good answers out there. Hopefully some of my other developer colleagues and, and clients can make sense of this stuff too. I hope so. Yeah, I hope it's useful. Uh, you know, pass along the feedback. And if people have questions after listening to these episodes, then we can always come back and answer them as well. That's a good idea. All right. Cool. Well, thanks, Zach. Talk to you soon, Mitch. You've been listening to the Soul Space Podcast.